It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome! To the shutdown full cast. This is the all business episode. I know that America's favorite college football podcast is taking, uh, I think, a playful turn in terms of doing previews. I mean, y'all weren't going to listen to a Pac-12 South preview anyway. So, sure, we did the whole thing as, you know, Arizona State's favorite NPR-based Sun Devils homers broadcast. This is a little different. We're just going to be answering your questions tonight, going over some business, catching you up, throwing throwing a little red meat into the tiger cage, if you will. Uh, joining me as always, because you know we've been doing introductions under fictional circumstances <laughs> with with aliases. Uh, we have uh, here here in Atlanta, uh, sitting to my right, we have guest uh, Holly Anderson. Say hi, guest. <laughs> you tell you tell me what to call you. Porch cat. Porch cat. There we go. Podcast porch cat. Holly Anderson. Uh, joining us from Brooklyn, New York, the capital of college football. Uh, hey, Ryan Nanny. It's coming home. College football is coming home. It's coming home. And then it's getting in a furious fight with goalie. We talked about this. <laughs> and then he's nicking off to Corsica. Tax shelter for the stars. I honestly didn't think it would lead immediately to that accent, and that's on me. That's my fault. That's going to be yeah, a recurring you, theme in, on that ep- in this episode. It's you, my fault. You're the one who kicked the lid off that viper. <laughs> I didn't do the Gervais. That's the one extremely banned accent. We're not because... giving you credit for not doing bad things. We're done with that. No, also, <laughs> if we started doing that, we would just be here all day. That's true. I'm really so tempted to do it right now. But don't, I'm not don't, going... you, no. don't you goddamn do that accent. Listen, nope, people nope. just put up with um, Jeff Goldblum for like 45 minutes. So Spencer's Gervais accent is so bad that, that Ryan 
can credibly tell him not to do an accent after last week. Still. And in beautiful Kennesaw, Georgia, speaking of accents, uh, we got Jason Kirk. Hi, Jason. Hey, everyone. Be sure to follow Shutdown Forecast on Twitter. Let's get that to five digits. Um, go to the Reddit thing. Get that to four digits. Um, subscribe, yeah, what, what's, rate, hey, review, what's the, all that yeah. stuff. Shutdown sure, Forecast. Sure. Just type Shutdown Forecast. It'll come up. We don't have we don't have imposters. No one no one would no one would deign to sully their own um, presences with our name. So there's only one. We're not verified. There's no need to. Um, and also, we are still planning on doing a live show. In Atlanta, around Labor Day, um, Friday, right? Friday, Friday, August thirty first. We have locked in. We have a venue, but I don't think we're allowed to tell you what it is yet. But it is wholly inappropriate for this podcast. Um, we probably will have information soon. This is one thing that's not actually our fault. Other, it's in other people's hands at this point. We have done our best, and I do want you to know that in the planning calls for this. Jason and Spencer had two important and yet somehow clashing questions. Number one, will there be parking? Because people, you know, Atlanta's a driving city. Is that fair to say? Yes. Yes. Number two, will there be drinks? So congratulations, whoever gets a DUI after this podcast. Look at your life. Look at your choices. And if you are a, say, Atlantan, Metro Atlantan, Auburn fan, or Washington fan, or anyone else who would be in the area at the time, and you want to go ahead and be the first to know about tickets, Ryan, what's the email? I think it's just shutdownfullcast at SBNation.com. Or it's either at, at SBNation or at Vox Media. Oh boy. Try either one. All right. Try, one on, try on both. We'll, we'll... I could look it up, but... <laughs> You might make I'm so sleepy. I you like make, it. I really like it when like Ryan is on brand. Like when when Ryan goes full full cast, things are off to an mm. awesome start. Listen, yeah, ever listen, since we my... did the, ever since we did the show with Steven and we spent the whole time talking about mattresses without having a mattress sponsor, I keep spotting ins for ad reads, and I feel like we really skipped an opportunity there to to ease into something like. While we're covering at home under house arrest from your po- post podcast DUI, try Blue Apron. God, Blue Apron does sound good. Right- no, I'm just tired. My kid has decided she gets up at five thirty every morning now. Um, believe it or not, being a terrible Jeff Goldblum on a podcast for an entire episode is exhausting mm. because you have to stay in this terrible good. character, this prison of your own making. Good. Um, Half half of our audience is very happy with what we've been doing. The other half thinks that we're actively trying to ruin the podcast, which for once we're not. I've been going. I've just a lot of shit's been happening, and I'm just. I've had a lot of red wine tonight as well. Okay. Yeah. Oh. I'm coping like Spencer would. I have a question, and it's not rhetorical. I'm genuinely curious. What would trying to ruin this podcast even look like? Um, honest. You want the honest answer to that? Yeah, just like straight football analysis, just like talking about football the way normal people would talk about football. Okay, so there's no chance of that happening. Okay. No, 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 no. Cool. No. Cool. cool. Yeah, we could just we could just do that, right? We could go. Hey, so um, 2025, Texas is going to play Maryland. It's pretty big. 
Like, like, do you think people would have been actively happier if we had done a Pac-12 South pot, uh, episode that was just like, okay, let's talk about the rosters, and Utah's got this many returning starters, and interesting to see what Chip Kelly, like, Wait, I don't know that that would have been better. Arizona State episode? Yeah, I think, I think all of these podcasts have, uh, all of these episodes, and we'll get into how we got to this point in this podcast trajectory in the first place. But I think all of these episodes have anchored at least some people who either think, like, why aren't you actually previewing the season? Or, why did you do an NPR podcast with no jokes? Or, is that what you think Jeff Goldblum sounds like? Why aren't like? you listening to a real football podcast? There's no shortage of them on the internet. Go away. Mm-hmm. No. Uh, to, be, um, to be fair, by the way, I, I was there for the Arizona State podcast. I did the entire thing. It angered and disturbed me, too. And I was... I was part oh, of the I reason I was saying the whole thing because your voice is so upsetting. Yeah, no, I was upset by it. Yeah, good two it, minutes it, into it, it, it mostly just confused me because it was the first NPR I'd ever listened to in my life. <laughs> I'm surprised. I am a little surprised that you've never listened to Car Talk. Car Talk. Mm. Okay, exactly. Exactly. Um, Only Car Talk I listen to is like Slim Thug albums. Uh, I thought you were going to make a NASCAR it, No, if there. we put that on a tote bag, I would buy the shit out of that in a pledge drive. Receive a free Slim Thug Jason Kirk tote. Um, I do want to point just, out, I do actually yeah, want to point out like one straight bit of news. Uh, who, who knew uh, John Schnatter would just casually drop a racial slur in a meeting about racial sensitivity? <laughs> No, Big Papa. <laughs> no, Big Papa. Do you think he was trying to be helpful? Do you think yeah. like, no, they he were was. having? Yeah, he do you was, think uh, they were having this? <laughs> he he was he was trying to make a point. Um, and like, and boy, did he? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the thing is, like, <clears throat> when you are in the news for um, like disapproving of things that you know black people are doing. In you know, in opposition of unfair treatment of black people, you have already sort of raised the standard for things you are and aren't allowed to say. You know what I mean? And then you go and just careen wildly past it. Yeah, people are gonna people are gonna notice that. It's really weird that Bobby Petrino is the major Louisville figure who has embarrassed himself the least recently. That's uh, that's objectively odd. What's, what's, like, you know, what's so privileged about being rich? Okay, Papa. <laughs> let, Elon Musk, let Elon Musk tell you how hard it is to be labeled a billionaire. Isn't billionaire just a slur? You spend, you spend a lot of your time during the season driving your car into a stadium with your name on it, do burnouts at halftime, even though no one asked you to do that, and then you throw pizza at people in the stands, like do you when, think everybody gets to do that? <laughs> like, like when the corporate Twitter account has to tweet, like we actually don't like Nazis. Screw those guys. <laughs> Public visibility is on you. You have to be on your best behavior. <laughs> you, you, you can leave no doubt about, uh, uh, you know there is no i was trying to make a point no you have to actually make a point it has to be crystal clear i actually wish that their website was still sponsoring football games we could like prop up the duke virginia rivalry with a little yeah if i think this year that is like the game like every town it's got like you know 
if the Hawks score 13 points in the first half, you get a dollar off Papa John's. And it's like, okay, well, oh, no. But if, like, oh, no. Duke, Virginia, Two touchdowns is 14. Papa John's unveils the new pepperoni with on the top and the bottom because they are fine people on both sides, as it turns out. <laughs> 14 points will get you four. Nope, 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 please don't accidentally make this a white I supremacist podcast. I careened, look, as, as, our, as with all other arbiters of white supremacy, we are terrible examples of white people, except Jason. Of uh, the... Uh, <laughs> The my favorite part of this is that that this uh him letting him letting an M bomb fly. All right. Just saying it. All right. Uh first of all, he said that Colonel Sanders said it and he didn't get anything. And I like that in his mind, Papa John is on some sort of par some sort of Parnassus, right? Some sort of Mount Rushmore of the spirit, where every morning he wakes up and the ghosts of like Colonel Sanders and Ronald McDonald and uh grimace Grim- it's grimace, <laughs> grimace. <laughs> like is that the only thing that could fulfill john schnatter is if he's like one day i'll be as recognizable yeah grimace. there's there's burger king and at his left hand sits Ger- colonel sanders and at his right hand sits grimace i like the that he's but the holy ghost these people constantly let loose just a stream of racial epithets which is why their mouths are sealed up with plastic and ads yeah you wouldn't believe the shit arby says arby <laughs> Grimace talks about Adam and Steve a lot. It's kind of <laughs> fucked up, considering he's nude all the time. But that that because that no, Grimace is a sovereign citizen. That in, <laughs> and by the way, like in terms of iconography, Papa John's like like light years behind all of these people, right? Like if you go to China, uh, everybody in China knows Colonel Sanders or at least knows that face. Hey Holly, I went to China once. Did you know that? Oh, God damn it. Um. So. Everybody knows that. If you went to Papa John, they would just be like, who is that rubber-faced ghoul? Right? That's They would not have no idea who this dude was. So, first, those two things are funny yeah, to me. Yeah, they'd be like, why is Tony Danza's cousin here? That's because yeah. the Great Firewall, you know, like, China, they cut off, like, a third of the internet. Because, like, Papa John's views are being suppressed by the government. <laughs> <laughs> His garlic butter's too subversive. <laughs> it flows freely, like capitalism. The deep the deep, also, like deep capitalism has a certain viscosity that belies an unhealthy state. Of- it does explain his hair. It does explain his hair. Ugh. Introducing Papa John's new Tiananmen Square Sicilian style. Ryan! <laughs> <laughs> Flattened and pressed in the oven. Um, so in this meeting, by the way, which was called as a PR move, all right, with wait a, wait uh, so i haven't actually i'm not faking for the purposes of the podcast i haven't actually read the story okay papa john let an m-bomb out in a meeting that was supposed to be a pr stunt to talk about how they weren't racist not a well, stunt it wasn't, it wasn't a it wasn't a pr stunt it, but it was a meeting with a pr well, it's stunt. definitely the, not a pr stunt now the exact <laughs> it was a meeting between... i mean it's kind of a it's it's, it's a <laughs> really elaborate stunt <laughs> listen just because you crashed the motorbike doesn't mean it wasn't a stunt all right <laughs> Um, now it was it was a meeting arranged between uh, a Casey Wasserman led <laughs> agency called Laundry Service, which is a marketing agency called Laundry Service. So you already know where we're at. The call per Forbes dot com was arranged by Papa John's executives. 
Let's just pause here for a moment, okay? Harumph! Harumph! When your own... Casey Wasserman's laundry <laughs> shirt was fired at CEO and laid off 40 to 60 people two days ago, by the way. So obviously well, great people. Big week for them. Yeah. Um, it was designed as a role-playing exercise for Schnatter in an oh, effort God. to prevent oh, God. future public relations staff. <laughs> So, Did he wear a ball gag? So during the meeting, where no, that would have been that actually would have been better. Never mind. During the meeting where Louisville's biggest booster was going to be trained to quit embarrassing him, the university, and the massive pizza conglomerate that he created, founded, and built into an empire, uh, it got worse. In order to Just avoid add to a long list of things, Casey Wasserman's great at. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, so, and asking how he would distance himself, he did say, well, Colonel Sanders called blacks. Yes, the N-word. He said that. And then said, but Colonel Sanders never faced public backlash. Yeah, it was the 1960s. Also, he's dead. And he's dead. Yeah. Also, th- this is the other the other thing. Uh, he apparently intended for the remarks to convey his antipathy to racism, comma, but multiple individuals on the call found them to be offensive. <laughs> After learning about the incident, laundry service owner Casey Wasserman moved to terminate the company's contract yeah, just, with Papa we're, John's. Okay, we're, we're out. No. Bye. Bye. And then laid off a bunch of people. So two things here. One... The PR agency immediately bailed after one meeting. Two, the meeting happened in the first place because his own executives asked him, begged him, pleaded him to go through with it. Meaning, how bad is it? Like, how how bad is it? Oh, also, his his name's that's that's the dude's name on the stadium. Like, still top yeah, jobs. Louisville's football stadium where they'll play games um, this season. Has, it says Papa John's right on them, and there's like 18 Papa John's kiosks in it. Like, it's it's almost it's almost a parody how many Papa Johnses there there are in Papa John's Cardinal Stadium. In my mind, he was just rapping along to <clears throat> the full un unadulterated lyrics of every DMX song, and just be like, it'd be appropriate if I did, and then just did the entirety of like an album. Yeah, he just. Loves that song. Talking about grandma. <laughs> like, actually, he did that one really well. It was moving. All right, let's do these questions that we promised people we would take, and in typical full cast fashion, um, have taken I don't know fifteen minutes to get to. Does that seem right? Yeah, Daddy. We love, we love you. We're bad at this all the time. This show's um, a Cadillac, and it moves slow and big. I'm just hoping we've shaken some people off by now, and they've just given up. They're listen. We're like they're like Minox. All right? Not Kentucky oh, fans. Li- Kentucky fans are locked in with us right now. What's up, Big Blue Nation? We're talking shit about Louisville, but we'll get to you soon. Hashtag okay, I'm gonna, Can I can I start? Can I start it off? No, please. All right. <clears throat> this is from Big Red Robot Ninja on Reddit. Uh, the two questions from Mr. Robot Ninja: Whose idea was the NPR episode? And a related question, why did you do that to us? I do think we should at least <laughs> explain a little bit about why we are doing the previews the way we are doing them. Um, I will take the bl- primary blame if you hate the episodes because I was the one who came to Spencer and Jason and said, hey, what if we did these all from the perspective of 
a super homer podcast within the division that we're talking about. Is this a good idea? Probably yes. not. Are we doing yes. a good job with it? I don't yes. know. Um, but the I think the truest answer to this question is if we were to do actual preview content, we would either be making shit up, probably in the case of me, uh, or parroting Bill Connolly and maybe yeah. a couple, maybe Athlon, maybe depending on if Bill's no. published an article yet or not. Well, he hasn't gotten everybody yet, so sometimes you have if to go Bill, to other if, places. If Bill hasn't put it up, we're guessing. Be, right. I mean, come on, be honest. Do, do you do you read magazines? Do you read preview magazines? Some people do. I right. don't. Not, not us. Right. It's also it's also an extremely uninteresting. This is not that interesting of an off season right now. It was. All the coach hirings happened. We God knows we've made fun of them enough, but what is there to talk about at this point? George Lincoln Riley disrespected the SEC. Lincoln and then and then George's quarterback hurt his hurt his non throwing hand in a boat accident. Well, so Lincoln Lincoln pretty good. So Lincoln I mean, Riley's yeah. a witch. I have a, I have a Lincoln Ri- Lincoln Riley's a witch with witch powers. Fuck, we should have done regular previews. I'm realizing that now. If Georgia was <laughs> in the Big Twelve, Georgia's quarterback wouldn't have done that because they don't have any lakes. Just just big grand prairies with no water at all. Because the water can't play defense in the Big 12. It would never hurt you. <laughs> the water lost contain and just trickled into the Gulf of Mexico. We can, in fact, now confirm that he can hit water if he falls out of a boat. At last. Tua would have floated. Tua would have wait, 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 no, that makes him a witch. Hang on. Tua would have walked on that water. There, that's that's what I was. I don't, which one's witches and which one's Baptist? I just, I just keep listen. Waiting which is Jesus? They're all, to... they're they're adjacent. So someone at someone at fan, someone at fan day. Jesus is a witch. Yeah. <laughs> and so and someone at fan day. I was someone at Alabama fan day. Right at a day, will walk up to Tua at one point and go, you know, my daughter loves Moana. That's that's the that's gonna happen. Like a very sincere mom is gonna walk up and be like, "My daughter loves Moana. I just want you right. to know." Um. So yeah, we're going to whether you like it or not, we're going to keep doing this for the rest of the previews, and then we will be back to regular standard full cast bullshittery that we don't plan that much. I think that's right. Am I right in that? Yeah. 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 And I'm so like- I don't know. It just. It just. It felt boring to just do the same old thing, so we just decided to do something new. And yes, we are the only college football podcast in existence, but if you don't like it, go find another one, I guess. I think. Go go start your own. Go start your own. Yeah. There you go. We won't listen to that one either. (laughs) Call it. Call it. Podcast has played a respectable schedule. (laughs) Podcast played somebody. Podcast paid its dues. Podcast podcast ain't not played nobody podcast has a good strength of schedule that's what you call it all right so that that's my question uh I don't spencer jason you take the next one um uh, let's go ahead you, you have one spencer no no fire fire away okay uh let's start off with bry mack from twitter uh first question where in college football does scott pruitt end up after all this so scott pruitt in case you don't know is the former head of the EPA who made it his Jer- mission Jeremy to... Pruitt's dad. Jeremy, Jeremy Pruitt's dad. Jeremy, Let's yeah, establish we'll just... that as canon right now. Jeremy we'll Pruitt's just... dad, who both of them totally unfamiliar with vegetation. 
Mm-hmm. Neither of them has any clue about vegetation and want to see it stricken from the earth and or dinner table. So that broccolini. Bro- what the hell's broccolini? Trees. What the fuck are those? Uh, I know. Also, I know. Also, broco- both I know. Brock millions Lesnar. and millions of dollars. Yeah, for being. Uh... Both of them treat their uh, administrative staffers like shit. This this, this is true. <laughs> okay, it's funny so uh, it's actually true. <laughs> yeah, I had a whole other answer, but um, uh, where does Scott put per- Tennessee? There we go. That was easy. God, All right. Question number two. A- no, by the way, I was I was also. <laughs> I was also just going to line up Scott Pruitt, by the way, with the the dude who finally gets Mike Gundy out of Oklahoma State when Scott Pruitt gets like the AD gig there, right? Like he shoots for president and they get him the AD gig and Scott Pruitt completely ruins it and gets Yeah, Gundy he'd be out. like, I think, my, I think my 17-year-old nephew should be the college football coach. I think he'd be good for the job. Be like, yeah, Scott fucking said, said Randall's got to be the coach now. I don't know why. You should start me at quarterback. <laughs> but he's 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 got like a fucking golf cart with a roll cage that costs like eighty million dollars. He's wearing the fucking tactical khakis and God, I love that. He's my he's definitely my second favorite Trump stooge behind only um meets passer Rick Perry himself. He's been so quiet that I'm <laughs> I love it. I love it. Rick Perry and motherfucking Vince McMahon's wife. Rick Perry (laughs) is comporting himself with a measure of dignity. (laughs) And and they're the good ones. I'm pretty sure Rick Perry just can't figure out how to turn on the computer in his office. So he's showing up every day and sitting down being like, okay, just look confident and you'll be fine. And it's time to go home. Good job, Rick. No way, man. Rick's been in a Starbucks this whole time. (laughs) Um, is Is he buying something? Yeah, yeah, he's he's definitely buying something. Wait, hang on. On June 26th, Rick Perry said he was confident the Saudis can produce more oil. All right, he's still our boy. He's still our special boy. Love him. Does he think it comes from, does he think you like milk a Saudi and that's where oil comes from? Don't answer that, Rick. Don't answer that. No, thank you. Don't, don't. You got a D D in meats, man. There's no telling what your misunderstandings of biology are. (laughs) Never forget that Rick Perry got a D in meets at Texas A&M. Gig him. You put Rick Perry I mean, and Jeremy Pruitt together and you understand no <laughs> foods at all. You might get water. You hope you get some yeah, water. What, what is, okay. You put Rick Perry, Jeremy Pruitt, and a Ruth's Chris. Who comes out? <laughs> None of them. They, they eat the napkins. Yeah. <laughs> the, the potato, those potatoes are getting eaten. That's it. I mean, Scott Prude is bro and the scammer. Like he's he's taking all the silverware. He's taking everything. No, Jeremy Pruitt. <laughs> okay, Jer- Rick Perry, no, Scott, Rick Perry, Scott's Jeremy Pruitt, along. and Scott, Scott Pruitt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Scott Pruitt okay. coming along. Scott Pruitt is is at his regular booth in the corner. Scott Pruitt lit the table on fire and then was like, "Oh, this this demands that you cop my meal. I'm entitled to this." Lit lit, lit the table on fire just to make the smoke. Yeah, just to. <laughs> just, I, I deregulated oh, no, this table. Man, I gotta hang on. I got a better idea. I Rick, need you to Rick change Perry, your name to Scott's Scott's Chris now. Rick Please Perry, change it to Scott's Chris. Rick Perry, Scott Pruitt, and Jeremy Pruitt at like a Japanese steakhouse where they do like the oh Japanese my steakhouse. at like a hibachi restaurant. <laughs> yeah, I I okay. So Rick Perry just wide eyed, totally dazzled. I mean, he's an Aggie. He likes seeing stuff blow up. Sure, sure. Uh, Scott Pruitt sees the onion volcano and's like, we could drill there. I just said it. Right. We're allowed to. Why isn't there smoke? More smoke. Need more smoke. Oh, smoke's good. Get it in your lungs. <laughs> Pipe it in. <laughs> yeah. 
Jeremy Pruitt, of course, is just criticizing everyone who is not participating in like the catch the egg in your mouth gimmick. And he's not calling Rick or uh, Scott by their first names. Right. We got a lot of ta- got two. a lot of t- we we got a lot of talented eaters at this table. A lot of big boys. <laughs> I do. Uh, I would actually. I would actually like to see Scott Pruitt actually, of all things, end up at Ohio State because he dot he dot the eye in the first two weeks. Right. They'd be like, we were going to have Jack Nicholas do it, but uh, Scott Pruitt's out there, and then he steals the tuba. Oh, hi. <laughs> Where'd the tuba go? You can get good money for those. <laughs> oh my god, he's like flossy Carl Weathers from Arrested Development. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a stew going at all times. Silver all right, what's Scott Pruitt's got a stew what's, going. What's question, what's question, question two, two from Brymac? If freak wakeboarding incident is the most Georgia way to lose a quarterback, what is the most Big Ten way to lose a quarterback? Let's just twist these words around, all right? Let's call it, say, your Michigan, Minnesota, Illinois, Maryland, what have you. The most Big Ten way to lose a quarterback is a freak board waking incident. What is that? That's when you wake up early on the farm. You wake up so early that the boards in the barn itself are asleep. Hey, Merrill, Merrill. Time to go wake the boards. Boards need waking. Wake up, you boards. I was just going with straight farm accident. I right? was going with queso drowning incident. Queso drowning? Like Jesus. roadkill dip drowning, not like, not like queso dip. Or most... Yeah, I would also consider, uh, if you're a Wisconsin quarterback, frostbite from getting locked in a beer freezer. Or choking to death on what? Grit. Determination. Oh <laughs> Because they tried. Of, that's kind of uh, one of them uh, Ouroboroses, you know what I mean? One of them, one of them snake eating its tail. Like, how do you? How does your own determination defeat you? Oh, the Ouroboros. Can I disclose you... a real medical condition I have here that I think is very big town? Mm. It's fine. Uh, I had a condition in which my white blood cells are medically speaking real fighty, and like they right. attack things in my blood that aren't infections. That, but for every cell in a Big Ten quarterback's body. So you're like, your body is just too pure. Too... I medically have fighty blood. You have too much integrity. Yes. People say that about me. That is Michigan's problem. That's why Michigan hasn't made the playoff. Holly, your body is always competing. Thank always. You. say that about me. Suck it, Harbaugh. I would, I would, also, I would also go with... Um... I would also go with sprained shoulder sleeping wrong in the library. That's mm. the ultimate Big Ten. I was studying too much and too hard. Or, or in the community. Yes. Or in the community. Yeah. In the community. Or the weight room. Rabdo is actually the most Big Ten way for a quarterback to get hurt. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go. My first question would be this. Uh, we're going to go from from at Steve Gherkin on Twitter. Which coach is most likely to smoke some dank nanny with a recruit to land their commit? Now, before we answer the hypothetical, what is more entertaining here is this. Percentages. What is the overall percentages of coaches who uh, who get down? What is the overall percentage of coaches that you figure have actually tried weed? Now, balance this, if you are a weed smoker, between your understanding that everyone on the planet smokes weed, right? If you ask somebody who is a heavy weed smoker, you're like, yeah, man, um, 
you know, you think Chuck Woolery blazes? You think he gets high? He'd be like, yeah, Chuck Woolery totally gets high. He'd be like, do you think like, uh, do you think like Dick Cheney gets high? And they're like, yeah, man, Dick Cheney, he, he burns. And you yeah. gotta remember that stoners contain multitudes, right? There, right. there are like the, there are the old, there are the old head hip, the aged up hippies. Yeah. Right, and there are there there are the high tech tech bro vapors. But they, uh, they, they all. And they're the ones who just want to sleep. Yeah. And they all assume though. And they're the ones obviously using it for pain management, the former players. Yeah. But they all but assume, like stoners typically assume everybody smokes weed. And then people who've never smoked it are like, I've never met anyone who smoked marijuana. And you're like, Yeah, okay. But with a recruit, Luke Fickle. Just <laughs> <laughs> going straight to it. Just Oh yeah. Bang. Hundred percent. But Luke Fickle does it in a way where only fifteen minutes in does he realize it's a recruit. He's just like, wait, what? You play what? <laughs> oh man, I coach that. That's crazy. He's got a medical condition where he cannot play uh, Call of Duty, Madden, NCAA, anything uh, without having a certain like blood level of THC. He's yeah. got a card mm-hmm. for it. Mm-hmm. I have, a, I have an answer. Mark Richt. Oh shit! Wow, Christian Stoner. Also, no, would no. Sc- no, 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 I no. That would That's be my- a bridge too far. Even in my, I just want you to look imagine at, this. Look at that skin tone. Look at that That's demeanor. Him dipping himself in paraffin and going out uh, on a jet no, ski. look at that glowing Miami glisten. How could it be wrong? It's from the earth. Oh, That's oh, the- <laughs> did not the Lord burn a bush long Catholic ago? Does not approve of that shit. <laughs> I don't oh, actually no, think this. I just like imagine him coming up with like. He already has kind of like his eyes are already kind of squinty and he's real laid back. So I just like to imagine that like it wouldn't change him at all. Now, you know who it doesn't. That would explain how he was able to be the coach of Georgia for so long and be like relatively chill about it. You spend that much time in Athens, you know. Yeah, I see it. Um, Another thousand percenter I think we can all agree on is Frank Solich. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. He's my plug, actually. <laughs> I mean, can't spell Ohio without. Hi. Go on, go on, Hi. do it. Knock it out. Go ahead. Hi, it's the greeting, but it's still, you know what? Just let your mind, just expand your mind around it. Let it go. No, thank you. Yeah. No, <laughs> I do wish that some extremely nerdy coach that you would never ever you know, like. I wish that like Will Muschamp comes out and he's like, "Yeah, I've been on it the whole time." <laughs> It keeps it keeps me keeps me level keeps me chill keeps me level <laughs> keeps me real mild. If I don't have it, I just let, let's go, go a little crazy. <laughs> I mean, must champ. Yeah, yeah. You're not supposed to eat it. Yeah. <laughs> must champ just shove not edibles. Must champ just like folding a blunt into his mouth. I like I'm like Popeye. <laughs> Absolutely killing him like an entire platter while he's watching film. The converse of this question is almost as interesting as asking which uh, head coach has openly narked on recruits and will do so again. And the answer is Matt Luke. Oof. Yeah. Yeah, that's an old Miss thing. That's why he won't succeed at old Miss, Matt Luke. <laughs> <laughs> he's the man for the job. Is he? Is he? think you're gonna get that many elite athletes without one who is you know basically 30 percent thc i don't think so i say that as a florida fan i know from whence i speak how you're about gonna have 
Herm Edwards's position on marriage, <laughs> marriage <laughs> on, ja- on jazz cigarettes? The, the devil weed? <laughs> the sun devil weed. He, he definitely <laughs> smells. He definitely smells marijuana with an H, hundred percent, and pronounces it like over pronounces it. But maybe this assistant. I saw a documentary on this in the fifties. <laughs> maybe like, maybe some assistants have told him that they, you know, he should be like, no, 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 it's cool. And now he uses really incorrect terminology when trying to like sound down about it, right? No, not just like like he doesn't have like. Weed like not what's up fellow kids but he's gone back to the 30s oh yeah like jeez it it's the feds do you like jazz yeah uh one more i'm just you know what this is an unrelated drop name drop i'm just gonna put it out there just to say his name because it's melodious and definitely doesn't have anything to do with what we're saying dana holgerson no 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 i i like actually disagree with this yeah yeah Man, if gateway drug is a real thing, Dana breezed past that like 35 years ago. <laughs> he jumped. He jumped the gate. I, now, why would Dana want to relax? Is my question. Yeah, oh, that's a good question. He's yeah. He's more. Of a, I guess he is you know more. He, you know what he switches to when he needs to chill? Diet Red Bull. <laughs> it's a great come down. Just to take the sugar, he just remove the sugar and he's fine. <laughs> As the person who's drugs least on this podcast, I just want to throw out Red Bull on the way to bed. I just want to throw out Spliff Kingsbury. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, no, I mean that man. That man's in the gym too early. It's not. Yeah, it's not happening. I know you're throwing. No, that out but there. he. I, I guarantee he's buying like expensive, nice weed that he's like, yeah, man. It's just you know, have an egg white omelet, have a little bit, you know, have a smoothie, and just like a little bit of what? He's like, don't worry about it, man. It's all organic. Yeah, like like the mountain distance runners who like run while high. Yes, yes, hundred percent. It's a performance okay. thing for him. Yeah. Other narks. Pat when, when, you're, when you're watching your defense mm-hmm. get lit the fuck up, just just finding that that you know chill space. Just knowing that, like, hey, we're going to get the ball back. What coach would you most like to feed weed to for so that we can all live easier on this planet? Besides James Franklin. <laughs> oh, man. I don't, oh, man. I, I want James just the way he is. Maximum James Franklin. Yeah. Dude, you know who I want to do? You know what? Okay, this is an to elaborate. To be fair, I excluded James Franklin because I don't think it would have any effect on right. him. No. Right. No. There is nothing strong enough. And reader, listener, full caster, what I would like you to do at this moment is engage in a thought experiment with me. Go find the cover of In Search Of by NERD. Okay? What you will find is a picture of a man playing video games intently in a pair of slides on what is clearly a stock Haverty's couch somebody looking for some shit behind it. It is my favorite album cover of all time because it hits me so deeply in so many places that I have lived and experienced. Now, what I want you to imagine is that if we got Lane Kiffin really high and we put him in exactly those clothes holding a PlayStation controller and took that picture. That's what I want you to imagine. Lane Kiffin, <laughs> Lane Kiffin in the place of the dude on the cover of In Search Of by NERD. That's, that's what I want. Am I saying that Lane Kiffin gets down? No. He does coach in Florida. But but no. Nobody likes him enough to sell to him. Oh. And he tried to he tried to grow it, but he can't even keep like a vibe. I mean, alive. the shit, man. All his players have been kicked out of previous schools. I think he's got connects. <laughs> no, no, that's no. Oh my god, that's why he's taking them all. 
Exactly. No, we just kind of, you're absolutely right. Because for a second, I really was like, man, even his GAs have got to like hit mute. By the way, the person who's going to try to deport me and get me uh, denaturalized as a citizen for having weed, Scott Frost. Just kind of just look at him. <laughs> mm. Look at him. That man's just that man's just like a walking DHS dude. DJ Durkin. DJ Durkin. I also do not like the look of. Narc. Spe- Spencer, what's the that second? Looks like part of your Mike question? Pence having been stung uh, by a whole bunch of bees. <laughs> That's most the second part really isn't going to get us too much off of this this sort of vein of topics. Uh, Steve Gherkin also wants to know, I'm moving to Miami next month to start my post-college life. What? Well, just August, go with is, it. A good, just August go with is a good time to make sure you like Miami. True. This is fine. No, no. The, the rest of the sentence is, is even funnier, though, because mm-hmm. uh, it says, after spending my whole life in Austin and New Orleans. You okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what should I expect in this transition? Steve, go back, dummy. <laughs> to where? Pick one. Dig up. <laughs> Dig, Dig up, up Steve. Wait, 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 wait. I think you're being far too... Un- if, if these are the three places that he's lived or will have lived, he's doing fine. Yeah, Like, yeah. you fucked up because you didn't live somewhere shitty, so you'll never appreciate places that aren't. My- Why start now? What makes you think he's not living in a shitty place uh, in a couple of months? I mean, Miami Miami has little islands where if you have a lot of money, it's real cool. And the rest of the time, you're basically just chasing, like, air conditioning. That's it. You're moving from air conditioning to heated heated glass box on wheels. That's all of Miami. Like, man, I love going to the beach. Again, no one in Florida actually goes to the beach. Also, I hope you didn't buy a house, dude. Yeah, don't do that. No. He's just out of college. I find that highly unlikely. Yeah. He's going to be in an apartment, and that's good. You don't really want to invest in don't assets. Don't buy a condo, dude. Don't, you don't want to invest in real estate. Yeah, don't. don't. Just ask Nick Saban. There are no assets in Miami. None. It's an asset-free economy, and yet is incredibly wealthy. Solve the mystery. No one else. <laughs> Solve it. No one else has. The answer is pirate gold. Pirate gold, so to speak. What should I expect? Ten month swamp ass season. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. You you probably are. Uh, you probably. Yeah, I mean, Austin and New Orleans. You have some experience with this, but I think you're probably not prepared for like. Oh, it's Halloween and I have swamp ass. Oh, Thanksgiving swamp ass. Oh, look at the Christmas swamp ass I've got going. Hashtag That's Thanksgiving gonna be the swamp ass. <laughs> yeah, the months that do not contain swamp ass, by the way, are not the months you might think. Right. Yeah. Additionally, right. you will know um, when moving to Miami. When moving to Miami, you will encounter one public argument between two strangers. You will not be able to look away from. Uh, over something occult-related or spiritual in the first three months you're living there. Yeah, again, this this is New Orleans. He's fine. I think you need to be prepared for um, every th- crazy thing you saw in New Orleans to be happening in, in Miami, but in a car going 50 miles per hour. <laughs> so if you're like, oh, man, I saw two guys pissing on each other on Bourbon Street. <laughs> Correct. Now pretend they're standing up in a moving convertible. Going 50 miles per hour the wrong way down Just the street. Just change all That's the airboats to speedboats and you're good. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Problem solved. Uh, all right. I'm going to go with this question from dbix87 on Twitter. What is the dumbest 4th of July thing you have ever seen or done or heard about? 
I have one, but I can wait for you two to go first if you would like to. I believe, I think Holly ha- has one. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Clearly. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. Um, having just, it doesn't matter where we got it, but the, that would be the 4th of July when uh, in high school we collected enough black powder to blow up a life-size paper mache cow life-size folks yeah now black powder just straight gunpowder yes i i my first question is actually where did you get the paper mache cow from the latest school production of into the woods where do you get (laughs) what we didn't we we weren't gonna go out of the trouble of making a life-size cow just to blow it up I that would be idolatry. <laughs> anyway, that was it. It was wonderful. The explosion okay. is very short when you're just using gunpowder, though. You got to dress sure. up with something that's going to produce some colors or sparkles. I would not go straight black powder again. Yeah, when we when we mess with black powder, it just um, we loaded a pipe underneath the driveway, mm-hmm. which turned out to not be real smart. Uh, oh yeah, with, no, you're gonna with black powder and some M80s, and uh, that's how you crack the drain pipe. <laughs> yeah, no, no, we've been practicing on Beanie Babies all summer, like working up the. Yeah, so that's good. Um, yeah. I mine is not one that I experienced. All right, the, the the drain pipe's the dumbest thing I've seen. It wasn't real spectacular. It was just stupid and costly. Right, put that on my headstone. It wasn't real spectacular, but it was stupid and costly. The thing that I to this day is the funniest thing I can possibly imagine at a fireworks show on July 4th or at any public event. All right. Is the great big Bay boom disaster of 2012 in San Diego. If I say those words are, is anyone familiar with what happened at the big Bay boom in 2012 in San Diego? I am, but I want you to tell the story anyway. Mm-hmm. The big Bay boom. It's where, it's where San Diego goes on the fourth to, you know, to, to like salute America. It is, 18 minutes of pyrotechnical glory. 18 minutes all out on these barges, right? All loaded up and it's set to go for a precious 18 minutes. And on July 4th, 2012, those 18 minutes of pyro went up in exactly 30 blazing seconds. Starting creating a second sun temporarily over. <laughs> and the video, I believe the video of this has the crowd noise in it because it's from somebody watching it. And they're all like, whoa. And then there's that moment of expectation where they it all sort of realize like, oh, that's what I, it just wasn't like a really badass start to the and show. Like, out on the barge is like Thor standing there with his new hammer. <laughs> It was like if you've if you've ever seen 2010, the sequel to 2001. It's like when Europa turns into a star. All right, and the best part is, it starts and it's pretty intense, and then it gets really bright, and everyone's kind of alarmed, like somebody just opened a portal. Like you can think, you can look at the crowd and go, someone thinks they just ripped a hole in the galaxy, right? And after 30 seconds, it just dies. It's that's it. 
Um, my favorite is historical in nature. I'm sure I, I imagine you are both aware all everybody on this podcast rather is aware of the last words of founding father John Adams. Is that Jefferson lives? It it is Jefferson still survives. Uh John Adams died on July fourth, eighteen twenty six. He was ninety years old. On his deathbed, he his last words were, Thomas Jefferson still survives. The best part about this, he was actually wrong. Jefferson died five hours before he did. Oh, so his last words were, his last words, Fake were je- his last words were jealous and incorrect. And also, he was second. Again. <laughs> Again. Uh, by the way, just one note from the thrillist oral history of the big bay boom debacle was this was when that thing this is one of the guys on the barge when that thing went off it scared the crap out of me it was the barge i was on was 45 feet wide it jumped six inches in the air when it went off (laughs) another guy who was another guy who was on the barge there were people on the barge all right this guy's. This was like every grand finale you've ever heard in the room with you. Absolute cacophony. Another dude. It reminded me of Vietnam. <laughs> hey, you remember the very popular podcast we did last year that was just lawn care accidents? You think people would listen to one that was just mishap fireworks? I think that's a career. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's a great point. You've got your own show on Discovery now. Congratulations. Bye forever. Um, the other question from Dbex: why can't college football fans enjoy things anymore? Why does everything have to be all or nothing? I'm talking about Michigan, but this applies to most of the power five. Is this, do we think this is true? Do we think college football fans only like have to be there if their team isn't, the, isn't first their last and we're all just miserable sons of bitches otherwise? I mean, somewhat. Yeah. Like if you're not clearly trending toward the playoff it's time to think about firing your coach that is a pretty standard thing across the country right i think that's probably i mean unfortunately exclude kansas and rutgers and all the teams that aren't actually power five right i think it's money yeah right like it would have been easier to like it would have been much easier to pardon um I will say Will Muschamp. Like, McElwain was kind of a dullard, right? Like, if he was just sort of not real likable or anything. Will Muschamp was just kind of... Will Muschamp was, you know, like, kind of a lunatic, but also kind of likable. And, like, if he was making, like, a hundred grand to coach the team, you'd go, I don't know, man. Will Will's just out there trying hard. He's not gonna have lucky dude. Win some, lose some. <laughs> yeah. 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 This is a this is a real change of pace. Spencer like you know, three or four or five yeah. years ago. The Get the down. tune has changed. Yeah, no no no. I mean if he was making like a hundred grand, but you pay these dudes millions, right? If they suck, then the mag the order of magnitude of complaint is going to be substantially larger relative to salary. It is. You'd be like, We paid you like this is true. You paid Jim McElwain like $3 million to get like 85 yards passing a game. I'm kind of two minds about this because on one hand, I'm reminded of good friend and friend of the program, Jane Koston's uh, constant and necessary reminder that most of the world is not on Twitter and that this, uh, you know, even within such a relatively small community as college football fans, the segment that you see yelling on Twitter is in fact the minority 
And you hear most from the unhappiest fans because they are the loudest, like with, with any other topic. That said, I do think there's something to the money angle, but in a kind of different way. It's that the people staging these games, you know, whether it be through, you know, reducing student sections uh, or refusing to run a la carte cable options uh, or not installing Wi-Fi in, in stadiums. The people putting on these games, you know, from the athletic department uh, to, you know, a lot of the media partners have no interest in the people who actually want to watch these games. I think all of that is right. I think the only other factor at work here is that there have been enough specific examples of teams that traditionally were not supposed to do anything who did do something. Oregon is the one that jumps to mind of a team that like went to went from, yeah, they're fine. You know, they're nothing special to playing for two national championships. And that has this weird taste in everybody's mouth of like, there is a secret path and you need to do the right thing. You know, you can get there. You can Kansas, you can get back to being number two in the country. Michigan State, you can get back to the like everybody I think has this idea that they are there is a path by which your team, no matter how bad they are now, can eventually turn that corner. And to some extent that is true, and to some extent that is also folly that will make the present misery for you. I think Oregon is a perfect example because what happened to the coach who got to that second title game? He's fine. He, he's well compensated and probably doing television. I have no idea what Mark yeah, Elfridge is doing which, right which, now. which team is he quarterbacks coach for right um, now? I, I haven't I, thought about Mark Elfridge in at least 18 months. I, that's, that's I believe that's he was Was he with the Chicago Bears? Yep, stamp it. That's where he is. I, I don't know. The fact that you know that is really sick. Yeah, Spencer throwing out an NFL fact, it must be true. It's a Bears um, fact, you, too. So, Nobody knows anything about the Bears. Do you I, think there's anything to... Sorry, Jason, what? Well, I was just going to say, like, you know who's right about all this and no one's going to like the fact that he's right? It's Nick Saban. He blames the playoff for this. And I think we can go back and blame the BCS for this because college football for 120, 30 years, if you didn't win the national title, well, so what? It's not real. You know, now that we have... As soon as we have a national title that only two or four teams can play for... You are almost certainly not actually in it, so you better fire your coach. And before you could blame a lot of other people, like you could be undefeated Auburn with Tommy Tuberville, and you could be like, "Well, we got fucked," and everybody be like, "Yeah, you did get fucked." So I guess the system is stupid, but now that's less true. Do you think there's anything to? Uh, well, while we're talking about yelling mad, angry mobs, do you think there's anything to the top-down nature of national fandom in college football? By which I mean. You were talking about basketball, you know, underdogs in March Madness are universally beloved, you know, getting into, we all know where Florida Gulf Coast University is and what their basketball court looks like for fuck's sake. And when a team that is not supposed to be there capitalized each word, you know, climbs into within reach of the playoffs, there are those of us who who cheer them on. And nationally, you get bigger team fans just stomping down on them as hard as we can. Why don't, why aren't underdogs as beloved uh, in college football as they are in basketball? And is the insistence that only the teams that belong by, by pedigree, by money, by history uh, 
and these big games make it there, making it less fun for everybody. I mean, is it because there's so few spots to go around? Like in basketball, we're talking about 68. So it's like, yeah, sure. Throw the little guy. 68. But do we get mad when George Mason's in the final four? Yeah, they, I mean, basketball fans, like, it's funny. I mean, I feel like basketball fans, they love the first and second round upsets, and they're like, all right, cut the shit. Like, all right, let's get Kansas, Kentucky. You know, like, like they turn into football fans by the final right. four. They, they want North Dakota State to beat a Big Ten team once. They don't want people to start saying, well, maybe we should rank North Dakota State in the AP 20, top 25. Like, that, that is where it starts to bleed into bullshit. I do think one thing, though. As uh, one counterpoint to make to this that I would check, the internet sort of magnifying people who are the biggest complainers, the internet has made me a much more festive uh, loser. It really has. And I, I don't know whether that's just the gif. You know, like I don't know whether that's watching and laughing at teams that sort of embrace their pain, right? Like, well, this year's going to be a little rough, you know? Like, but the more I follow people online who are fans of bad teams and watch how much fun they can have with them it's it i think it's a good example to follow i don't think it's all fans who are necessarily constantly complaining about their teams and their mediocrity i think that if you follow the right people you can get an idea of okay man shit's bad okay cool like washington (laughs) state fans washington state fans have been hilarious penn state fans when they're not that great or when they're struggling like when they have that loss if you follow the right ones, it's they're hilarious, right? We love you, Peter Burks. Love you, Treb Law. I mean, not love to you. make it two straight weeks of pit praise. It's it's actually oh. more like a hundred straight weeks of pit, pit praise. But like, <laughs> pit fans have the shit down, weeks man. Of pit. Yeah, <laughs> ten yeah. years of pit. Like, like this pit is Philly's actual brand. Have one awesome game per year. Just that's it, man. And then you can remember it. You can remember it all year. Otherwise, just laugh at the other eleven. Iowa State has done this in some degrees as yeah. well in, in with mixed success. I think, to go back to Holly's point, though, I think the difference is that college basketball fans accept that, have, have come to this acceptance that the nature of their sport is such that things can just tilt one way and an underdog can score a big upset, and we all understand that that doesn't necessarily mean that that team is better. But college football fans, by and large, not everybody, I think are still locked into this mentality that the team that wins has must have had better players and better coaches and a better scheme. And when underdogs win, that compromises that belief. Like, do you feel like I, that's I down think, to sample size of a of a shorter season with yeah. fewer games? Yes, 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 yes. Because yes. like your college basketball champ, you can lose you know six games and still think like, oh, that's clearly the best team, right? Whereas in our sport, if you win two, you're trash. Unless you're 2007 LSU. I do enjoy the comparison with the World Cup. If you go, okay, small sample size, right? Usually most of the same teams win. But occasionally if things go sideways in a small sample size, they can go super goddamn sideways, right? Like Croatia. Yeah, this is why Jason's getting all kinds of angry British tweets this <laughs> this week. Well, are you yeah, getting are you I, uh, getting wait, are, you? are you getting I had, angry I had British a Croatia tweets? fan in the Avi and brother? There are not a lot of Croatian Twitter <laughs> accounts, so I was getting for like two straight days. I was getting Croatia follows and tweets like "Let's do it, boys." 
<laughs> and then like as soon as I, I'm I'm Scottish, so as soon as England was out, I changed it back to the Scottish flag, Affy, because like fuck them, because like we're basically the Mississippi State to their Ole Miss, and then yeah. it immediately swung the other way. I got English fans jumping at me like, "Oh, go do some heroin, you wanker!" A Scottish turncoat, how unusual. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jason, pick our next question set, please. From Chris Barnwall on Reddit, first. I'm excited for this one. What is the most amount of food you've ever eaten in one sitting? Hmm. I, mm. um, I don't know if I've told this one on here or not. <laughs> oh, God. No, no, speak on it. Speak on it. I don't honestly remember exactly what all I ate. I just know it was a lot. 2011 title game, Bama LSU. All right. Um. So uh, I ate a lot, man. I ate a lot. And after the game... You know, game ended. Everyone hated it. Everyone was bummed out. Pretty bad mood. So I probably ate some more in anger. Probably drank some. <laughs> Season's over. Let's drink. It was unsatisfying. Let's drink double. Um, went to bed, and I remember around two a.m. started feeling like I had nails in my like in the you know where, where, where the small intestine connects to the large intestine. And um, so I'm in the bathroom, laying on the ground. I've thrown up like three or four times. It's still coming. Different colors, <laughs> textures, viscosities, all sorts of stuff. I'm seeing I'm seeing I'm seeing stuff I definitely did not eat. I'm seeing stuff my body created. <laughs> Talking green, black. That is that animal's been extinct for thirty years. <laughs> Brown you puked up a Tasmanian town. <laughs> I threw up Minnesota national titles. Brother, that's old. Um <laughs> And then so like, yeah, you know, when you vomit, liquid's coming out of you. Liquid's made of water, in my opinion. Your body needs water. Body's made of water. So I'm starting to hydrate, dehydrate. Um, my hands, I can see them curling in on themselves. And I'm like, wow, that's fucked up. You know, like, like I'm turning into yeah. a tree or something. Yeah. Um, like all my limbs are stiffening and curling up like I'm like drying in the sun. And I remember I yell You're like, cured, ah, I, I think I need to go to the fucking hospital. You know, like, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, like, uh, I'm one of those, like, super stuttering, stubborn dad types is like, no, no, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. So, like, for me, for me to say I got to go to the hospital, like, Hands I'm curling literally about themselves. to die. You're vomiting up uh, hammers and license plates. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, literally about to die. And I'm like, fine, I'll, I'll go to the hospital. Um, on the way there, uh, the wife is driving because I cannot grasp the steering wheel. <laughs> Uh, she's driving and uh, going too fast. We get pulled over. And here's some white privilege for you. I tumble out of the car, crawl on the ground toward the cop, screaming, give me water. <laughs> Imagine doing that while any other color other than, well, I wasn't white. I was light green at this point. Um, the cop gives me bottled water and tells me to leave. Again, this does not happen for any other people group on earth. Um, we make it to the hospital and I walk in and you know you fucked up when you walk into the er and everyone looks up like oh shit because like <laughs> they see people walk in without arms you know like they see shit all day long when you walk in and you're like turquoise and they're like um uh come right this way we'll fill out your shit later you know you fucked up um and like so they plug some water into me and that was the greatest feeling i've ever had <laughs> Just, like getting the iv um the iv of water uh, and yeah, I threw up like 30 more times. Wife came in, was like, wow, it smells like people died in here. And I was like, you know, maybe they might have. Uh, at some point in there, I emailed Spencer and our shutdown fullback producer to say like, 
you know, I don't know if I'm going to make the recording. Mic. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll do my best. I remember I emailed Bill Connolly like, hey, you can just, you know, your post, you can just put it up. I'm not going to be able to edit it. I'm, uh, I'm dying. You know, I think I think Brian Floyd or whoever was like, uh, maybe you just take the morning off. You know, just if, if you're dying, you could probably just take the morning off. Um, but yeah, that's probably the most I've ever eaten. Wow. Do you know what it was? So it happened again. <clears throat> <laughs> like two football seasons later, we were, we were in Pensacola. I want to say it was week like five or six. I remember Florida was really good at the time. Florida had a really, really good defense at the time. Like they led the country in scoring defense or something. I don't know why I remember that specifically. Uh, it happened again, but at that point, I that day, I know I ate an entire sub, an entire salad, um, several beers, Pensacola, um, probably several desserts, so on you and so very, forth. You very hungry caterpillar yourself. Yeah, eventually they studied it and figured out like the thing that connects your intestines is too thin, but I think at this point, I've expanded it. Like I've, I've just plowed through so much through there that it's like wide enough, because it, it hasn't happened since then, so that's cool body mods god damn wow please ask the second question i just nobody's i want to hear do uh, does anybody else have it i want to hear the most spencer's ever eaten in one sitting i mean he's already can he's already admitted that he ate an entire blooming onion come on you gotta have something better than that i mean that's good as hell but the most i have ever eaten in a single sitting was with a guy who knew the chef at Underbelly in Houston. Oh God! Houston, as you know, is uh, Scout City. Um, the humidity, the lack of walking, and the heavy meals from a wide spectrum of uh, calorically dense ethnic foods will—it'll uh, firm you up. And I went to Underbelly, which combines all of them in this kind of like fusiony kind of thing and underbelly serves a little bit of everything done kind of you know like if you just put houston in a blender that's the idea behind the menu and when you have are with a guy who knows the chef uh it's a bad sign when he comes over and says what do you want and uh he goes hey man why don't you just keep bringing stuff the chef by the way is a very large man who writes the menu at this place which is uh yeah, it's in Houston. The point being, he came over with two bottles of wine and put them on the table, opened both of them, began pouring them, and then the onslaught began. And what I remember from the meal um, is this. I remember uh, that about three courses in, there were tamales stuffed with pork. There was a Vietnamese pork dish with noodles and little bao sort of like buns on the side there was a heavy soup of some sort i mean that just kind of went down like a shooter don't really remember too much of that it was delicious there was uh some tacos in there as well there uh, there were basically eight courses all right eight massive courses uh and at the end of eight now remember when they say things like you know a marathon is actually gets hard at mile 24 right because by this point on, I'd probably had two bottles of wine by myself in addition to, and that's where I'm really going to get you, Jason, is that like the alcohol consumption on my end, it's going to be way higher. Right. Um, the, 
I'd had probably two bottles of wine and eight courses and a loaf of bread. They don't bring you just bread. They bring you a loaf of bread. When you're like, oh, can we have some bread for the table? They bring you each a loaf served with like a heavy butter. And I ate it all, listener, all of it. Because it was all so good, but I was this at, is some this is some very Henry V shit. It, oh yeah, no, like, like I want to get gout in one night. Yeah, and this is, this is the Monty Python scene where the guy the explodes. Course? Yeah, hmm? what was the last course? Oh, right, yes, this is why I was talking about the the marathon starting at mile twenty four. Um, this is before dessert, though. Okay, so like eight courses later, uh, we get the uh, the guy comes over and he goes, hey. We got uh, we got a new concept restaurant across the the way, and oh, uh, we're testing out. Uh, Jesus, we're testing out. You know what we serve there? We got um, some unlicensed tacos, bro. Have you have you seen the movie Seven? <laughs> there was a carcass because what he brought out, and I watched him cook it, swimming in butter off a cast iron skillet, was an entire two pound porterhouse. Um. That was uh, that was racked, served with the bone in and up, and then cut out for us. So there's an entire like pound of steak, right, just sitting there waiting for you, like pound plus. Actually, I think it was like two and a half pounds total, and that was the ninth course. Was a butter fried massive porterhouse steak. I finished it because at that point I didn't even want to live. It was just right. like let's let's put this. Hey, right. listen, don't pull this plane up. <laughs> Make sure it goes in <laughs> into the water, Bury into the crevasse. <laughs> Sully, we're not landing on the river. You put <laughs> you put this thing nose down into the Hudson. Fuck geese. <laughs> like Ron White said, we'll I don't want the geese. I don't want to walk away from this one, buddy. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then we had dessert. <laughs> And it was that kind of full where, like, you start crying just because of the pressure in your body, right? Like, you're just, like, you're like, there's water coming out of my eyes. It's not tears. I'm just full. This restaurant's closed now, by the way, which I feel means, like, we'll all live longer. But that chef has opened up another one, so it's not safe. It's over. Is he moving closer and closer to Spencer? Like, like (laughs) Yeah, oh, I hope so. After I ate you. After I ate that meal, my gravitational pull increased significantly. <laughs> like the ne- Death Star ne- is now in range. Like the Death year, Star is now in range. He's like opening a joint in Mobile next year. He shut down that <laughs> restaurant and, and like it, he, all the press about it said he like refined the concept. And I'm trying to imagine like how much more gullet stuffing it's going to be with a with a more efficient take <laughs> on what he was doing before. When they said refined, did they mean rendered? I don't know, but we went back back here in in November uh, for a Houston game, and we were there for lunch, and it was Houston, so we had had this insane breakfast. And we're like, okay, we're just going to get the charcuterie plate, and we're going to split it. And they said, yeah, okay, we'll bring that out. You want some pickles? Sure. Do you want bread? And we said, yes. And they bring that same fucking entire ass loaf of bread out and just like drop it on the table. Like, but they just drop this loaf of bread onto the table. Like, enjoy. Yeah, it, yeah. Seven so, sandwiches worth of bread. Yeah, yeah. that's that's what At I lunch. ate. I got to be honest though, the porterhouse was really good. Like, I was. <laughs> it was What's wrong? With, what's wrong with you? It was, you, don't, you never learn. I think it was that point in the meal that it correlates to when you're freezing to death and it gets warm, and you're like, Alaska's tropical. Like that was it. <laughs> like, 
my body had flipped circuits completely and was like, this is delicious. Eat more of it. So basically, the long-running joke that you've drowned is true. It just was in meat, not in water. And butter. Mm. It's how he would have wanted to go. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, like, and honestly, like, after there was a point, it did not last long. When I laid down, this changed. But when I got up from that meal, I felt like a god. Which I felt god? like which I could god? fight god. Yeah, which god? Which, All of them. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> this is definitely a I mean, Dionysius, so I got right? Some, I got some news for you, Poseidon. <laughs> I felt like one of those thousand-armed Tibetan gods of the dead, right? <laughs> Fuck with me. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other the other question from Chris. What has been your favorite part of covering college football? Um, and, like, real quick for me, man, it's simple. The sport is broken. My brain is broken. We're a perfect fit. I love it. Um, it, it it's, it's, it's completely inexcusable. Uh, I have no real way of knowing whether... A, whether whether I'm fully human at any point, you know, I, I don't know how a human is supposed to be. And I know this is not how a sport's supposed to be. So, yes, simpatico. And the other one is like seeing that, yeah, everyone from every other part of the country is exactly as stupid as everyone from my part of the country. Like a sport this this tribal and regional and, you know, just realizing that all of these regions are exactly the same. That's been that's been the most beautiful thing. I like that it is basically a kind of a a free pass to it's not bandwagon jumping per se, but you do get to move around a lot more than you probably would if you were just a fan. Like when Colorado was good, what was that, two seasons ago when they were like all of a sudden like we're going to a bowl game and we might win 10 games and all that like. You could just be like, well, I'm going to pay a lot of attention to Colorado, and not only am I doing this because it's fun and interesting, it's a good thing for me to do as somebody who covers this sport. And the opportunity to do that and not just sort of say like, well, I'm a Florida fan, so I have to pay attention to all these Florida games. I mean, Spencer and I play up how frustrated we are with Florida probably more than is actually true, but one of the nice things about when it is true is... You have a mil. There are so many options. You can always find something more interesting, either because it's really good or because it's really bad, to go and find. And I, I think that is very different from how you. In- it's definitely different from how I enjoyed college football when I was just somebody participating in it as a fan and not somebody ostensibly covering it or writing about it or whatever. Hmm. I I my favorite part is being surprised. I never really get over that. There's just, it's a big, it's a rigor. It's not as rigorous a product as uh, a lot of other sports. So you get a lot more random occurrences. The talent levels are different. You get more teams from more places and it's all very different. Even if you watch it on TV, like if you throw out to the stands at a college game, there's one or two people per game that are worth the price of admission just seeing randomly, right? And if it's a Tennessee game, there's like eight to ten because, as we've discussed before, Tennessee is the most gifable fan base. I adore them for this. I love them for this. They are either the people most into the game or the least aware, i.e., the guy in the uh, the guy in the old Miss clip, right? Who's <laughs> just sort of out of it, right? And then it he, like it, old Miss is beating the shit out of them, and it pops up four turnovers right under his name, like he has no expression on his face, mm-hmm. and it just goes turnovers, boom, four. <laughs> so I love I love the random stuff. Like my favorite thing about actually covering a game is 
if you are there and you are still working or in the stadium just after the game, the band usually plays a wind down song. It's gorgeous. That's a completely sincere statement. It's a beautiful thing. Like they play some sort of wind down. Some of them play classical. Some of them play like, like a really slow song and there's almost nobody left in the place. That's, that's gorgeous. There you go. That's my, that's my NPR finish. It's good. Um, Spencer, you want to pick the next pair? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's see. I am going to go with Parsley Magnet on Reddit asks, "What Power Five team do you think about the least, <laughs> and why?" How can we answer this question? Power Five. I think about the least. If you ask me honestly probably it's probably in the northeast it's probably yukon although i said th- you know i no, know Ryan, actually do you know that they're not a power five i have Jesus some news about Christ. the big east buddy <laughs> no 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 <laughs> Wow. All right. However, first of all, so first, first, I think. I see. That's how little I think about them. This is this is where we should note that we are not breaking UConn to the Big Twelve. Yes, we are. <laughs> it's happening. I think out. first thing here, you have to take NC State and Oregon State off the table because they are the most common answers to this question. Right. And we spend so much time talking about how they are like the most perfectly mediocre programs that that is an identity. Like being forgettable is an identity. So it's got to be somebody besides them. Can't be Rutgers. They're uh, known for being horrible. Can't be Kansas. Same. I was say Wake. I was going to say North Carolina. So Yeah, that's a good one. Like in the- <laughs> it's definitely in the, in North, in the state. In hey, the state we said North Carolina. Carolina's good. You're welcome. Yeah, uh, the, the, program, the program, actually, the program I think about the least in the Power Five is probably Indiana. That's mm. yeah. I mean, occasionally the problem is Indiana when you pay attention. Like, either is someone you definitely are paying attention to, maybe not for good reasons, or they're just they don't ever hover in the middle. I know. For whatever the, I know the team I pay attention to least in the SEC. Missouri. It's Mizzou because I always forget they're in. Fuck. Yeah, it's Mizzou. I it's still, depressing that that's true. I still think we should return them for store credit and pick up Virginia Tech. <laughs> that Circuit City closed. I think if we return Mizzou and try to get VT on store credit, we're going to need to throw some cash in on top of that. Who would appreciate barter more than Blacksburg? <laughs> Texas Tech is approaching this, is is veering into this category for me, where it's just sort of like, yeah, yeah I'm assuming... Lubbock Night I, Magic is gone. I assume I know what they are. I assume I know what they'll do until they do something that like wildly surprises me in either direction. I don't... I, I haven't felt like I have to sort of like, oh, what's going on there at this point? I... I I honestly feel like a pretty clear answer is Illinois. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, they're as horrible a program over the past however many years as Kansas, Rutgers, whoever, but without the identity of being that horrible. But without the joke. Can you name an Illinois fact from the past three years that isn't a coach firing that happened at a weird time? Like, how many times over the last two or three years has, you know, has someone said, wait, Lovey Smith is there? Yeah. Like, we don't even remember who their coach is. Wait, still? And he's, and he's pretty famous. Yeah, he's still there. Uh-huh. Illinois is the best answer because I, none of us thought of it before you said Exactly. It. <laughs> Wait, that I just had to look itself. it up. Do you know Illinois has been playing football since 1890 and they still haven't gotten better at it? Listen, they're going to, they're due. They're going to break through it. And that's not true. No, they're not. Don't. No, just give up. 
Yeah. Please. The second question for uh, Parsley Magnet, and I got a real good answer for this one. How do you reconcile your love of college football with the scummy aspects of the game? The exploitation of free labor, injuries, etc. You don't. Same way you reckon, like, reconcile it with the scummy aspects of literally everything else in your life from going to Target to drinking clean water. Yeah, you don't. You're in I the middle of it. You're in it and of it. The, the wisest thing I've ever heard on this subject was from John Boyce, who said, everything is bad. God. Mm. All right. Um, I'm going to ask the next one. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, this is from scumdog0331 on Twitter. What is the <laughs> dumbest, funniest college football game? you've ever watched i know i'm i am confident i have an answer but uh spencer and jason i'm gonna let you go first in person uh no 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 no. because my answer is definitely not in person okay and i and i can lead if you want because um yeah lead lead this will this will prime the pot so i gotta find the year to get it right here uh it's a it's here we go it's uh september 2013 Wazoo ten, USC seven. <laughs> this game, this game kicked off. This was, I think, the Pac twelve after dark game, if memory serves. Uh, a few, a few important stats from this game. Uh, Connor Halliday was the leading passer for the game. He threw for two hundred and fifteen yards. He threw no touchdowns. Uh, Cody Kessler was the leading passer for USC. He threw for forty one yards. He also threw no touchdowns. Um, this was such a hilariously shitty game from a USC team that was not very good, a Wazoo team that was definitely worse and kept trying to let USC win the game, but, but inexplicably they refused to, um, just the, I'm going to try to find the, the, uh, possessions from the second half. Okay, here we go. At the half at seven, seven. Here's what happens after that. USC, here are the USC drives. Field goal missed, field goal missed. Turnover on downs, punt, interception. Here are the Wazoo drives. Punt, 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 field goal good, end of half. That's it. This was one of the stupidest, dick-trippiest games that I vividly remember us all early in the season when we still were, like, full of energy and vigor getting on Twitter to be like, hey, turn on this crap-ass game. USC's about to totally fucking blow it at home. And they did. And they absolutely did. Uh, The best game was when I was uh, in person for and in attendance. Uh, It was... and, And it had actual stakes to it. It was a... Like an okay, like a pretty good Spurrier Florida team. Uh, facing an undefeated Florida State number two in the nation on November 23rd, 1997. Uh, that would be when Steve Spurrier... First of all, there was almost a fight before the game because this was when in a particularly fighty phase of Florida-Florida State. Second, this is where Steve Spurrier actually alternated quarterbacks at the snap, right? Like he, he kept... Like he would send one quarterback in and then he would have another one come out. Doug Johnson and Noah Brindis ran laps back and forth, alternating between plays. This is something that he did without being pilloried as an idiot because it worked. 
it somehow worked. All right. Um, Florida State was up 17 6. Uh, Sebastian Janikowski uh, almost started another fight by doing the Gator Chomp uh, at the stands. Uh, if you're familiar with Sebastian Janikowski, remember, not suspended because, according to Bobby Bowden, and for any of his infractions, he was playing by Warsaw rules. Diplomatic immunity. Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> that's that's a legal precedent in Florida, which is testable and has been held up in courts of law. As long as you're a kicker from another part of the universe, it's uh, completely okay for you to do anything you want. Also, the winning touchdown was scored on a play where only one receiver really knows what's going on because Steve Spur drew the play up the play before. He drew it on the sidelines and said, everybody know what you're doing? And uh, they're like, no. And he's like, good, go run it. <laughs> and Doug Johnson just heaved the ball downfield. Jack has green caught it. And uh, they, they scored TD, I believe two plays later. Uh, and I was there in person and leapt into the arms of a gigantic man wearing a sleeveless Molly hatchet shirt next to me. And he carried me like a baby. <laughs> I, that I, I, I know you've been to a dumber game than that, and I know that your answer for that is the 2012 Florida-Georgia game, but we don't have to talk about it. Dumber. I was dumber. by Spencer's side for that game. It was uh, it was pretty dumb. I was I felt like I had to bring balance to the universe, perfectly balanced as all things should be, um, by rooting for Georgia, and even by the end I had to admit, no, this is, this is really stupid. I remember my favorite detail from that game, and Holly, I think you've talked about this before, is how there were birds in the end zone that were undisturbed for like oh like oh 90 God. minutes of real time, just birds walking around in the end zone. Let me tell you about this bird touch. So, They've laid eggs. So I had no intention of going to this game. Uh, we were on our, like, I had every intention of getting drunk on the beach with Spencer's wife and baby. Uh, and my editor at SI at the time called me on the way down and it's like, Hey, we're going to need you to go to the cocktail party. It's like, I'm, I'm off today. And he goes, actually, we're going to need you to go to the cocktail party. And I looked down at the fanciest outfit I'm wearing, which is like a crop top hoodie and leggings and rhinestone flip flops. And that's exactly what I was wearing when I strolled into the press box the next day, which was alphabetical. And I was seated next to Tony Barnhart, like the dean of college football coverage, who actually really liked my rhinestone flip-flops. Thank you, Tony, the God. But there's this pigeon or seagull or some kind of flying rat that lands at about the 20. And you could look you could look all the way down the press box if you because I was at the end of the row. Uh, having an A surname and see the actions at the other end of the field. And from about the 40 yard line towards me down, all the heads are turned towards this bird, which is slowly hopping towards the end zone and gaining more positive yardage than any player had all night. And people actually stood up and cheered uh, <laughs> when the bird got into the red zone. And when the bird actually finally scored a touchdown, that bird scored more. And by the way, that's, that's, the biggest indictment. It's not like, ha ha, bird bumped into the end zone. No, that bird was undisturbed yeah. for like 20 minutes just there hanging was, out on a football field. There was a live field. football game happening and the bird yeah. was just chilling. And the bird, there were just birds like camped out and nesting in the red zone on this end of the well, field. Will, Will Muschamp is a friend to the, our, our <laughs> avian oh, brother. Oh, we're, we're back to this old, we're back to this old hymn. All right. They call me Bambi. <laughs> just protecting endangered species such as pigeons. 
I speak um, their language. It's, it's probably a seagull. <laughs> the first game that came to mind here, which we've talked about before, was Baylor, Texas from a few years ago, and Baylor literally ran out of quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Baylor literally ran out of quarterbacks. Um, they ran a single wing. They, yeah, they did some single wing, wildcat, any type of bullshit they could come up with, and they were in position to win, and they just had a strong guy throw a Hail Mary. <laughs> that was the plan at the end. Just had a heaver. Uh, yeah, just like, hey, uh, just chuck the thing. Baptist. It's like an RPG when you've massively mismanaged your inventory, and you're like, I guess I'll throw a health pack at him. That might kill yeah, him. Whap, whap. Crack a potion over his head. Yeah, it was, oh, it was like healed. They were watching a really terrible turn-based tabletop game. It was, yeah, it's it's basically it was that scene in, in Saving Private Ryan when he throws the helmet at the guy, right? Like they just run out, and he's just like, "Here, helmet. That's all I've got. Just got a bunch of helmets." I think, yeah. I, I want to give a quick shout out to the three nothing Sun Bowl, but I, I, I can't let this moment pass without. Uh, shouting out Auburn, Mississippi, two thousand eight, <laughs> the game that I uh, the game that I love so much that I immediately turned around and made two music videos about it. <laughs> one set to Live to Win and one set to Dolly Parton's Baby I'm Burning, both of which are still on YouTube for some reason. Yeah, um, they're still out there googling, and that's well, that's that's like there's a large portion of the internet that knows. Uh, Auburn Mississippi State three to two as the as baby, baby I'm burning I'm, game. This baby is I'm burning. Ten year anniversary of that game, by the way. I'm going to this fucking game now. If it, uh, if it's three two again, oh my god! Yeah. So I'm I'm gonna run through this real quick. As we all know, the score ended. Uh, it was in Starkville. The score was three two. Um, uh, Auburn actually came into that game ranked number nine in the country. In which what? A, which a lot of people forget. Um, I'm sorry. Auburn came into the game 2 nothing, having beaten UL Monroe and Southern Miss. Mm. Uh, and had with an offense that has scored a combined 61 points in those first two games. By the way, underrated part of this game, watching Tommy Tuberville call it a true defensive game uh, and not wow. what actually happened, which is uh, Mississippi State getting 116 yards and six first downs, including 38 rushing yards on 30 carries. Um, Adam Carson missing a 38-yard field goal, uh, which kept Mississippi State from tying uh, the insurmountable lead that Auburn built on West Byram's 35-yard field goal. I'm reading Craig Stevenson's Dispatch of the Game, by the way, to refresh myself on AL.com. Uh, Shut down full cast sponsor al.com. Um, <laughs> there was there was a safety for holding in the end zone, so Mississippi State picks up a point. Um, Auburn fumbled the ball away on each of their next two possessions, but then Mississippi State. This is my favorite part. Auburn fumbles the ball away on each two possessions, but Mississippi State turns the ball over on downs on back to back possessions. Can I- Auburn Auburn was just that hurry up. <laughs> hurry up before they before they were hurry up. It was can, so beautiful. Can I go yeah, a few notes on that 2008 Sun Bowl, which I argue was played in amber? This yeah, this all happened in the same year, by the way, the Pitt Oregon State uh, Sun Bowl. Which, by the way, Pitt Oregon State Sun Bowl. I want to think we can spot where this went wrong. Cursed image. Man, stick, <laughs> like steaks, steaks so cheap and low, they're hamburgers. This like, wasn't yeah. even, and, the, and El Paso didn't even participate in the badness of this game. Is, is what's so remarkable about it to me. Like this isn't the Notre Dame Sun Bowl where you had that one dude trying to rake snow off the field with a rake or push <laughs> snow tables. off the field with cafeteria, that, cafeteria tables. tables. Yeah. El Paso was a passive participant in this game. Like I can only. 
I can only assume that the landscape was was struck as dumb as the rest of us by what was happening on the field. The, that that Sun Bowl, <laughs> this is my favorite. It was three zero. It was played with howling winds blowing over the stadium. Uh, Bill Stoll had fifty two yards passing for Pitt. Uh, both of the both of the Rogers brothers, if you're familiar with James and Jacquez, who were great for that 08 Oregon State team, they were both out with injuries. They had nothing. They had no one on the field, all right, to play offense for Oregon State. And my favorite thing about that game is that this is from there's two things. One, if you Google the game, one of the videos that pops up is somebody actually isolated the Oregon State field goal, which is the only points in the game. It's a YouTube clip, and it just says, Sun Bowl scoring. And it's just a field goal. Is it not a highlight reel? It's just, Singular? Yes. Yeah, it was just one. Two, I remember Vern Lundquist had to call this game with with Gary because it was CBS had, at the time, like the rights to every other major bowl game were out, but CBS always has the Sun Bowl, right? And Lundquist and Gary had to call it. And they were so over the game eight minutes into it. They were just like, they knew. They were like, oh, man, we got a skunk. Like, this is just, this is bad. This is, this is awful. This isn't going to go well. And Vern, of course, will vamp with good cheer. And Gary absolutely <laughs> no, will no, not. No, There was much chortling. Like, the third quarter is just all chortling. <laughs> they weren't the only ones, though, because I remember, like, like, Mike Riley, who's again like capital, the most nicest, the most you say nicest. He's the nicest man in football. I say that he was lobotomized by this game. Either way, at the end of this game, like Mike Riley looks like he wants to die. He does, and when they kick the field goal to win, his fist pump is legitimately sarcastic. Like, yes, thank God, Mike Riley Bronx cheered his own team in a bowl game. <laughs> I think he just Bronx cheered life. He was just oh. like the nicest man in football. It was just like fuck this. Um, last thing on this pair of 2008 games there is if you would like just straight footage for some fucking reason uh a video on youtube entitled 2008 auburn versus mississippi state highlights both of them <laughs> there, there there are two plays in this game i assume everyone's just too proud to file a copyright claim for the that i own that Dude, oh wait i don't want people to know that up there and I, I'm pretty sure I ripped it from ESPN on like a trio. You can barely see what's happening, but the, you know, it's got a lot of heart. Uh, the other question from Scumdog: What team do you think is best at identifying underrated talent and turning them to elite college football players? This answer is easy: Al Golden when he ran Miami, because boy, he sure did turn a lot of underachieving college football players into uh, NFL talent. Nobody knows how it happened. Don't worry, Al Golden. He's good for you. Are we talking he like you. he turned underrated like Duke players into elite college football players? <laughs> yeah, like, that's, that's what he, he, did. he made Virginia look really good at college football. And well, what he he had this alchemy like power where he brought high level talent into Miami, made them immediately underrated because of how Miami played, and then turned them back into NFL. It, like he was kind of you know how in any sci fi movie uh, that's set in space, there's that scene where. Uh, all the astronauts get fro- like frozen into cryo sleep. He was cryo sleep for high level high school recruits, and their destination was the NFL. Mm, I don't know if he was freezing people. Why is he so sweaty? Well, he's sweaty because he has to absorb all the heat from the sun that they pass. Okay, man, this okay. is funny. But do you know who really does that, and nobody knows how they do that? Is fucking Cal. Oh yeah, 
Yeah. Cal, go look up Cal's NFL draft the, record. The, the maybe the like the most draft. drafted player, like maybe I'm trying to think of a better, like Miami does this. Of course they have a ton of players on NFL rosters, but the degree to which Cal can place players in the NFL while serving no benefit to Cal football. Mm-hmm. None. Mm-hmm. Which is really, yes. I always thought was, I, I always was thought was a pitch. Which was going Cal which, yeah. That's sweet for them. Get to the NFL yeah. with fewer miles on you. Like, like uh, a couple years ago, somebody pointed this out, this out recently that like, I think it was 2015 they they had the number one pick at quarterback. They had five NFL wide receivers and yeah. Yeah. Actually the, uh, the, the other answer for this, by the way, um, you know, cranks out a ton of NFL draft picks like Utah. Well, you, you, Utah's got a lot of sneaky big dudes in there. Uh, they do, but you know, I don't think you really think enough about how Stanford crank has like since since Harbaugh, right? But also continually under Shaw, they they really turn out a lot of talent, a lot of talent without really a whole. I mean, Stanford gets good players, right? But you know, they're not getting like top ten players. That's not their deal. They're just, they're real good at identifying talent, you know, like their current recruiting class, their current recruiting class is like 39th and they'll probably get a disproportionate number of draft picks out of that. Holy well, like shit. Stan- Stanford's tricky because their recruiting class ranks low because they sign like nine players. Yeah. Like they'll, they'll, they'll get some blue chips, especially quarterback and offensive line. Yeah. But I mean, I think I, I just want to imagine, I wish we'd put a camera um, on like a Wisconsin fan listening us listening to us talk for three minutes about people who turn like walk-ons <laughs> and two stars into NFL draft picks, and they're just like, "Why haven't they talked about us yet? <laughs> they're gonna talk about us, right?" This this <laughs> like yes, Wisconsin, you're the epitome of this. Our beautiful, yes. sweet bowling ball boys uh, is incumbent upon me to inform you all that Illinois had 17 players on NFL rosters uh, opening weekend last year. Hmm. That is love last love time we will paid. Them. Fuck, I had already forgotten about Illinois. I know, sorry, Jason sorry. I, I bumped it forward now. a little bit. So that this concludes your final Illinois football thought. Oh, speaking of Illinois, months. I was also going to point out uh, 2007 Illinois-Ohio State is the worst game, but then I thought of Baylor-Texas instead. See, again, just forgetting Illinois. Do you know the other five schools that offered Andrew Luck out of high school? Uh, Who was not like a lowly rate. He was a four-star. It's not like he was some hey, complete Ryan, diamond in the rough. I'm sorry. Yeah. We need to break... We have breaking news. Breaking news. Oh, God, uh, no, oh, I'm geez. no, I'm not. This isn't a bit. We have breaking news. Yeah, yeah. no, no, no. Uh, yeah. This is not us. This is uh, from Jonathan Mays, executive editor at Restaurant Business Magazine, uh, reporting that uh, he's verified. Y'all, he's not making this up. Uh, John Schnatter, aka Papa John, he's out. He has resigned. Well, now they're just gonna lose all the racists who were still buying their pizza. Who's gonna star in the commercials? So like, don't go, Big Papa. Are they gonna change the name? Ooh, because how the fuck do you like who? Hold on, hold who's on. I've the got Papa this. Papa John. Got, if it's not I've, Papa John, I've got this fixed. We need a somebody uh, associated with Kentucky and Louisville. We need somebody with a similar name, and we need somebody with a clean internet record. John Boys for Papa John. This is his new endeavor. I want him to be the face of this terrible pizza franchise. Hey, buddy. John Boy's here. Oh, he also, by the way, resigned as a trustee at Louisville. Yeah. That what was... for? Well, no, yeah. funny thing. 
Said, Let's go back to the original part where Papa John was a trustee at Louisville. That's yeah. the part that we should really be talking about. So there was like a whole year of drama between Papa John and Louisville. Like he, I think it was April of last year. It was kind of this like under the radar story that he was like calling out the AD and all kind of stuff. And like um, sort of got kicked off the athletic association while his name remained on the side of the stadium and so forth. And Anyway, his name's still on the side of the stadium. George Clooney's from Kentucky. Wait, Billy Ray Cyrus is from Kentucky, and so is Johnny Depp. I think we solved this. Hey, you know what? Papa John's from Indiana. Look it up. I should cover everyone's <laughs> it, This is all Indiana's fault. I feel like we're about to find out that like the Burger King is on Purdue's faculty or something. <laughs> God, that'd be great if he and Pete were in the same room. Can you can you can you imagine if like staring? Can you imagine if there was a major university that hired like a a, a fast food CEO, and then like as soon as <laughs> as soon as that guy left, that company's stock shot through the roof for the next decade, while the athletic department tanked and they hired two straight bad coaches. Can you imagine if like oh. maybe like the biggest, most prestigious athletic department did this in real life? That'd be crazy. Wait, wait, wait. Did they did they let him make a statement when he resigned? Because I want to see if it's got the N word in it. Please yeah, don't let him make you, any you... statements. Yeah, no, I'm, just, I'm looking. I want to see if they for more information. Of okay, hang on. I hope he burned out of the parking lot. Do you think that car is his, or do you think it's company property, the Camaro? The, wow. there, there's there's lore. There's lore about this. He like sold it to pay for his first restaurant, and then he tracked it down and bought it back, or whatever. Like, there's this whole legend about it. Once you take a black light to it, you definitely say it's his. You definitely say it's not. You don't want it. That's not garlic butter. Well, remember the. Uh... Oh, God. I mean, it is, to be clear. <laughs> I'm all about better topping. At least, you know what? He's finally proven that better ingredients don't actually make better pizza. So I guess in a way his mission is complete. The one thing, the story I've heard that was, uh, again, when we asked for Papa John stories, I believe it was that boy's good fed us this. It was that somebody in Louisville he knew was dating the daughter, like one of the Schnatter daughters. Whenever they went everywhere, the Schnatters, the Schnatters, what, what, what the perfect, what a perfect name for an off-way Broadway production that nobody goes. To. The Schnatter daughters, Chekhov's sh- garlic butter. <laughs> <laughs> but when he was dating, when he, when he was dating one of the like daughters, Papa John, they would go and do family things, and all Papa John did the entire time was just try to own him. Like the guy had to pay for his own stuff. Like Papa John wouldn't pay for it, and he'd be like. He has a nice boat. You don't have a boat like this. And I really hope that guy is still dating that daughter, right? Because now he'll be like, you know, hey, you don't have a boat like this. And he's like, yeah, bitch, I got a job. What you got? Huh? Wait, Papa John's NASDAQ code is PZZA. (laughs) Hot. There's no I in pizza. (laughs) And now there never will be. Wait, I just looked to see if he indeed had let loose any racial slurs uh, in his statement. And it just says, for more information about the company, please visit papajohns.com. And that just takes you to their pizza ordering website. <laughs> it's, it's a ploy. 
Oh, he's still got stock. That's what it is. New Fox News contributor, Papa John. He man, he if he just pulled this like five days earlier, he gets that SCOTUS spot. No question. We're not packing the court. We're stuffing it. <laughs>